Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. My fellow Americans, yesterday, once again proved that democracy is the heartbeat of this nation. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. Even in the face of pandemic, more Americans voted this election than ever before in American history. Joe Biden is inching his way towards a victory. And now, after a long night of counting, it's clear that we're winning enough states to reach 270 electoral votes needed to win the presidency. But votes are still being finalized, and Congress is shaping up to be more divided than ever. But this will not be my victory alone or our victory alone. It'll be a victory for the American people, for our democracy, for America. And there will be no blue states and red states when we win. Today, Dan Diamond on how the coronavirus pandemic split the nation and cast a dark shadow over this week's election and influenced the results. As the national results poured in on Tuesday night, I kept coming back to what was happening in Iowa. Iowa is now considered in the red zone for new coronavirus cases and test positivity. I was just there a few days ago. I was tracking a story in Dubuque County, which is on the eastern edge of the state, and how county supervisors there have been fighting with small town mayors, a number of them Republican, over whether to impose a mask mandate, even as the coronavirus outbreak has gotten so bad that it's among the worst outbreaks in the country. The state has been in the red zone for new cases for several months, so that's not new. But over the last few weeks, it had only been ranked in the yellow or orange zones for test positivity. Well, the task force says Iowa now has a positivity rate above 10%, which qualifies it as a red zone state. Now, this is a story that I've been interested in all year. The idea that the White House has pushed a lot of coronavirus decisions down to the state or local level. The president has the unilateral power to order every single citizen to cover their face in nearly all instances. What other powers does he have? They didn't want to make a national decision on mask mandates. I remember Vice President Pence arguing with CBS News' John Dickerson. Why not ask people to wear masks? Well, we believe people should wear masks. Why doesn't the president say social that? distancing is not possible. Over whether these should be local decisions or whether, as Dickerson pointed out, the virus doesn't care about state borders. You talk about federalism, but this is a problem that requires a coordinated national result which is what these outbreaks are showing. And so to say states should deal with them individually seems to miss the big fact, which is the virus can go wherever it wants. And the principle of federalism undermines the national response to it. John, if we'd have taken that approach, we'd have never had the success that we had. It can spread across uh, our conception of federalism. But in Iowa, there was a lot of resistance to this mask mandate idea from the small town mayors who basically said, we don't need overregulation. We know that masks are important. We, we support this idea of protecting ourselves with face coverings, but we don't need the government telling us what to do. And the health board that's pushing this, they're not elected. It was a microcosm to me of all of the national tensions boiled down onto the front lines of the coronavirus outbreak, as well as in a state where Democrats were really hoping 
to win big, where they were hoping to upset Joni Ernst, the Republican sitting senator. So I'm watching this one because Joni Ernst was very, very popular in her home state of Iowa. And for Republicans, for this to be on the map, it just tells you how much trouble they're in. They really should not have to be fighting it out. But it was pretty clear when I was there that something like the coronavirus pandemic, there were two views of what was happening. Either Donald Trump and his administration had done a terrible job managing the virus, and that's why Iowa was in the straits it was in, or Donald Trump was being railroaded by the media. And the pandemic isn't that bad, and a lot of the fear has been driven to undermine his election. Those are concerns that you can hear by tuning into Fox News or MSNBC, but it was a reminder that a lot of what happens in D.C., it's echoing in places on the front lines of either the coronavirus pandemic or of the 2020 election battleground. So looking at a state like Iowa, you have this race where it looks like Democrats could get a big win with the backdrop of the coronavirus pandemic and criticisms of Trump's response to it. But then looking at the results... We can say now that Joni Ernst in the state of Iowa will win. Her Senate race will be re-elected Republican from the state of Iowa. Kenna Whitworth is there. This is an important hold... You see things didn't exactly play out how you might have expected based on polls and what was happening nationally. And I guess I'm curious, looking at the lead up to this election, everything felt like it was all about coronavirus. But what happened on Tuesday, it seems like what's unfolding now shows us how this was and also clearly was not an election about coronavirus. I mean, how would you say the pandemic played into this election? Well, let me turn that around on you, Jeremy. How did you vote in this election? I filled out a ballot at home and dropped it off in a box a couple blocks away. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that we're still counting votes as we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, it's a reminder of just how altered this election was by the pandemic, by protections for the pandemic. I'll say that I went to vote in person. That was important to me in D.C., but it was a very different experience than before uh, with social distancing in full effect, poll workers wearing face masks and face shields. Um, it actually was was lovely and, and felt totally safe, but it was a reminder of how much this virus has changed even the most basic part of the electoral process. So this was an election that even before we find out who won, we'll look back and remember how it shaped the counting and potentially how people voted. And beyond the logistics of this campaign and the election, I know that the issue leaned heavily in both campaigns. The idea for the president and the White House that the more coronavirus was a state and local issue, like in Iowa, the less the president would have to bear the burden of being the one ordering shutdowns, lockdowns, mask mandates. On the flip side, Democrats thought this was their winning issue. There were so many ads from Joe Biden and down to the local level where health experts were railing against the president for his handling of the virus. It seems like not all the voters agreed with that assumption. Yeah, Biden is ahead, though Trump's campaign is already requesting recounts. Votes are still being tallied, but Biden's closing in on the 270 electoral college votes needed for a win. I'm not here to declare that we've won, but I am here to report When the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. Trump's chances at this point are looking really, really slim. At the same time, Biden didn't get that big blue wave 
nationally, Republicans have done a lot better in both chambers of Congress than expected, the Iowa Senate seat included. When it comes down to it, Democrats were hopeful that voters would be united behind an opposition to President Trump and that this election would be a national referendum on Trump and the GOP's handling of the pandemic. Was it? I mean, it may end up being a referendum in that uh, people who think that the pandemic is a big problem went for Biden and people who might be sick and tired of the pandemic went for Trump, Um, though that doesn't change the reality that we are living through this global crisis. There were more than 1,100 deaths linked to COVID-19 on Election Day. You know, Jeremy, I've, I've spent the day after talking to people, reading exit polls, though given the polling failures leading up to the election, I want to be careful not to overemphasize polls after the election. But if the coronavirus pandemic is your single most important issue, according to the exit polls, eight or nine times out of 10, you voted for Biden. If you felt like the U.S. needs to prioritize the economy over the COVID response, again, per the exit polls, eight or nine times out of 10, you voted for Trump. And lots of voters clearly think the president has done a good job managing coronavirus, or explain away the stumbles in the national response. I was out in Iowa. I I was also across the Midwest these past few weeks. And one of the people I talked to for my story on Iowa, a guy named Wayne Kenneker. Um, I have, in other elections, voted straight Republican, but there have been some elections where I have deviated from that because of the person, not because of the party. The mayor of a small town in Iowa, Sageville, uh, Iowa, and he told me he's a registered Republican. He had no doubts about voting for Trump. So you are voting. You're voting for the president. Yes, sir. And when I got into the coronavirus handling with him, he thought the president did, all things considered, maybe not a bad job, maybe even a good job. What he has done, in fact, you know, we can go back to the point where uh, he wanted to implement a, a ban on travel from China and was ridiculed for that. Uh, and then later told you know, was told that he didn't do enough early. That's the political, I I would probably say crap, but I don't know what else, uh, what other word to use because it just, that's unfortunate. It is a global problem that has hit a lot of countries very hard, but we really have done in the United States a worse job than other countries. And a large part of that is the president and his failure to act quickly at the beginning of the year and then to send signals to his supporters throughout the year that wearing masks, that other precautions might not be necessary. So it's hard for me to disentangle just how much the pandemic played a role, but it's clearly the most important factor. And and as we figure out how much was resistance to the Biden plan of being more strict on coronavirus, how much that might have fueled support for Trump, that's a thread that we'll be following in the days and weeks to come. Dan Diamond. Thanks so much for talking with me. Jeremy, thanks for having me and stay safe. Also today, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is calling on Congress to approve a coronavirus relief package before the end of the year. During a press conference in Kentucky a day after he won re-election, McConnell expressed optimism that negotiators could reach a deal post-election marking a shift from his recent suggestion that a measure was more likely early next year, saying, quote, I think we need to do it, and I think we need to do it before the end of the year. Relief talks have stalled since the summertime. 
even as some 230,000 Americans have died of coronavirus and millions remain unemployed. And one in three Americans now lives in a state where recreational marijuana is legal. That's after voters in New Jersey, Arizona, South Dakota, and Montana overwhelmingly approved ballot measures on weed this week, adding some 16 million Americans to the list of places that allow adults to use marijuana legally. Mississippi and South Dakota voters also approved measures to legalize medical marijuana on Election Day. In fact, South Dakota became the first state to authorize both medical and recreational sales at the same time. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up on all of the latest election results, be sure to check out our website, politico.com. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.